0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Welcome into the program. Appreciate all our listeners. Make sure you check us out. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Hit subscribe. Subscribe. Kirk, man, you probably haven't covered a game that's been crazier than this one, right? This game against the Browns. I mean, the Steelers win in Cleveland with no kicker. That was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know that I've ever covered a a, a game that that a team had to play an entire half without a kicker before. That's when that when that happened, I just assumed that it was gonna come down to, you know, a fourth and long and the Steelers if they could have kicked a field goal could have won it and instead Roethlisberger throws some interception and, you know, I just, I was playing all these scenarios out in my mind and yeah. none of them were going to be good. I mean, none of them were going to turn out right.
0: I've never seen anything like that. Right. So, okay. So Chris Boswell on a fake field goal gets yeah. completely obliterated. Right. And, and as you wrote, he was trying to run around, like he was Aaron Rodgers out there rolling out, making a throw on the run around the, the sideline. I mean, and then I saw somebody else, a former player, I think uh, tweeted like, that's how, you would, would do if you played football, right? So if I jumped on a football <laughs> yeah. field, what would happen to Chris Boswell is what would happen to me. That whole situation, Kurt, who's most to blame, right? Do you blame Mike Tomlin for allowing that play to be called when just a chip shot field goal at that time of the game in that situation was perfectly fine with the way that game was going, mm-hmm. right? You just knew it was going to be yeah. a low scoring, field goals are fine kind of game. So there's no, no shame in taking a field goal. Or do you blame Chris Boswell for, like I said, thinking he's Aaron Rodgers and trying to roll out and make a throw on the run and getting himself killed?
1: Honestly, I know that Tomlin's a pretty easy target in this, but if it works and the Browns don't, you know, read the the fake because they stack both tight ends on one side, Boswell probably just lobs it in the end zone and we have a touchdown and Mike Tomlin's a genius. So, you know, the fact that, that Cleveland was prepared for it you got to give credit to, to the Browns for that, for, for noticing that they moved. You know, usually they split one tight end each side. They stacked them both on the right. Cleveland figured it out, knew what to do. I Honestly, that's on Boswell. I mean, he, he's out there holding on the football way too long. I mean, there was no reason for him to sit there and, and, and do that. Now, obviously, he didn't plan on getting speared in the chin, but – he had to know that that defensive tackle was gunning for him and was probably going to hit him either way. So I, I think I, I kind of lay it, lay it at Boswell's feet at this point. I have no problem with the call. People all the time, you know, Steelers fans are notorious for wanting to hammer on Tomlin for being too conservative, not going for it on fourth down and, and things like that and throwing routes short of the sticks on third down and things. Well, you got what you wanted. He was aggressive. You know, he made an aggressive play call in a in the biggest game of the year, and it didn't work. I don't I don't fault Tomlin for that. Uh, you know, if the play would have gone as it was supposed to go from the officials' point of view, Pittsburgh probably still scores a touchdown on that drive because they should have called a penalty. They they didn't call a roughing roughing the passer penalty. Steelers probably should have got the ball first down first and goal at that point, and and scored anyway. So had the, the, had the play gone to its, to its natural conclusion, you know, it would have worked out better for Pittsburgh, but you know, you you hate to lose your kicker. I mean, you just find out, you find out just how thin your team is when, when your kicker goes down and you find out that your, your punter has more um, career passing attempts than he does kick, you know, field goals or extra points. So, (laughs) you, you know, that was, that was tough. That was a, that was a hard one that to deal with. But no, I don't I don't fault Mike Tomlin for that call at all. I know a lot of people did. A lot of people wanted to get on him because of the all situation. But
0: all over Twitter, right?
1: I, I got no problem with that. I, I have way more issue with the fact that Chris Boswell thought he was just gonna jog around out there and somebody was suddenly gonna get open. I mean that play's supposed to happen in about a second and a half. Even the tight ends didn't know what to do at that point. And nobody's gonna get a throw in there and make a play. So you just you just chuck it away and you chalk it up and let your defense come out. I wonder if Boswell
0: even remembers the play. He took such a shot. Man. I don't that know. crazy.
1: That I don't know. Insanity. That was a big
0: hit. But, you no, know, I agree with you. Like, you don't get a flag on that play, but, you know, the f- officials are throwing flags all over the place in every other game, including, you know, freaking, look at the Jets helping out the Steelers, right? Uh, Knocking off the Bengals. and But, love again, that. that flag at the end of that game was, like, unbelievable. Like, huh? What? Yeah. What's the call? So, yeah. yeah, you who knows what these refs are calling in these games. It's It's freaking unbelievable. But... What a win this ends up being for the Steelers, right? They win on the road, overcome some adversity. And, oh, by the way, the Bengals lose. So they're they're right yeah. in this thing in, a, in kind of a wide-open division and conference right now. Like, you see Big Ben's reaction, right? Like, there's a big W, man, this weekend. That was great.
1: Oh, he was so excited. And I know that, you know, you look at that, he knows he's not coming back to that stadium. And so that was big for him, you know, to go out with a win, Having having been the winningest quarterback at First Energy Field history until last year, I mean that's a, that's a, kind of a big deal for him. Yeah, yeah, the, the, you know, and and to to win that way, you know, and and he made some plays. You know, that's the thing is, Roethlisberger. I know that we're taught we want to you know throw a lot of praise on the run game, and and as we should. I mean, the run game creating balance in the offense ha- has mm-hmm. been a huge. Ah, uh, momentum swing these last three games, but Big Ben made some throws. You know, he made some plays on Sunday that I think a lot of his critics didn't think he was capable of, it, and and that's big for him. You know, he he needs this boost of confidence just as much as all these young guys do. He's he's a uh, I think he he knows what the media is saying about him. And a couple of weeks ago, you know, he's cooked. He's done. They should bench him, you know, all these sorts of things, and he takes that stuff pretty personal, I think. And and so it was it was good to see Ben make some plays, you know, make some throws, and and uh, you know, had his two point conversion, you know, on his rushing two point conversion called back. I mean, you you know, that's a that was a tough one for him, but uh, he was pretty proud of himself for that one, I think, to to tuck it and run. So.
0: Well, he might have been the first quarterback in NFL history to attempt a two-pointer from the 12th. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, what a what. A, yeah. This game was hilarious. And I mean, if they hadn't moved the extra point back, Kurt, to like the 33 yarder, I mean, we probably would have saw like an offensive lineman, like in high school football, right? The offensive lineman comes out, number 88 comes out, kicks the field, kicks the extra point. Yeah. Big guy. Yeah. Maybe the Steelers would have had somebody they they felt good. The field goal is so long for the extra point now that they had no choice. They had to go for two every single time. It, it isn't even finals. an option. Yeah. Yeah. So wild, but like you said, guys made plays. Najee Harris continuing to just handle a huge load. Twenty nine total yeah. touches, as you wrote. Pat Fryermuth, a guy that you've been you've been wanting him to be a part of the offense. Kurt, they finally throw him a ball. Fourth and two. What a freaking play! We I mean, oh, if the Steelers do anything in this in this season, we're looking back at that play. That was the play, man. It was huge.
1: And and you know, after the game. Friar Muth said that they literally drew that play up on the sideline before they came out for that drive Yep. that they, that Ben literally said, if we see this, here's what I want you to do. And when that, it came up, he's like, let's do that play. And I think it was Ben that said it after the game, he said, when I see a defender with his back to me, I'm throwing it, you know, and that was what the, the Browns defenders, they like to face guard. They like to, you know, not turn to the ball. They like to get up in the, Receiver's face. Well, you're not going to get up in Prymuth's face. He's just too big and tall, and he just went up over it and 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 took it away. I mean, that was a crazy, crazy catch. But uh, I joked on Twitter during it. You know, Eric Ebron can't be real happy with what he was seeing.
0: Um, <laughs> what a catch!
1: Holy he, he's bro. already he's already worried about his reps, and he misses the game with an injury, and watches watches Prymuth suddenly become you know Ben's favorite target in the middle of the field. So
0: here comes the kid here comes the kid so yeah it just just all adds up to an awesome win for Pittsburgh you know like I said they got some help from the Jets of all teams and uh they're in a good spot again a winnable game here coming up against the uh, Bears which we'll get into in a little bit but uh I want to get to the trade deadline the Steelers I guess you could call them sellers Kurt they sold at the trade deadline but did they get enough compensation for the player they sold off that's a that's up for debate and we'll do that coming up yeah
2: this is the typical sports book Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting.
3: interesting. interesting. Corey Benigni of Huddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for week nine of the fantasy football season. We're back to four teams on a bye, so we might have to dig a little deeper than usual. Quarterback Tua tonga versus the Houston Texans. Houston is tied for the fifth most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks in 2021. Six passers have gone for at least 21.7 fantasy points, including Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. Not exactly world beaters. Tua can play loose knowing he doesn't have to worry about the Deshaun Watson trade looming over. Wide receiver Devontae Parker came back and looked pretty good. And with a limited pass rush, there's also another thing he doesn't have to worry about. He makes for a sound bye weaker injury fill-in. New York Giants running back Devontae Booker versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Presuming Saquon Barkley doesn't return as he's still dealing with an ankle injury and also landed on the COVID list this week, Booker will face his former employer in Week 9. The Raiders return from their bye week with a defense that has given up the sixth most rushing yards per game in the last five weeks, and three times in those four previous games, a running back went into the end zone with the ball in his hands. Toss in a pair of receiving scores, and we're looking at a slightly better-than-favorable matchup scenario for the versatile Booker. The six-year veteran has produced double-digit PPR points in four straight contests. Lock him in as long as Barkley is out. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry, Cleveland Browns at Cincinnati Bengals. Head coach Kevin Stefanski said, Odell Beckham Jr. ostensibly has been kicked off the team, which makes Landry the de facto number one receiver. In a way, he kind of was already. He and quarterback Baker Mayfield always had better chemistry than Mayfield did with OBJ. Since week three, wide receivers have recorded the fifth most receptions for the ninth most yards per game against the Bengals. Over the course of 2021, in eight games, a dozen receivers have at least five catches to their name and a matching 12 wideouts have 10 plus PPR points against his defense and only five of those guys have found the end zone. Landry should be a PPR monster in this one. Tight end Jared Cook at Philadelphia Eagles. Quarterback Justin Herbert has two great wide receivers and an awesome pass catching running back at his disposal, making Cook hard to count on on a weekly basis in fantasy football both of his receiving touchdowns this year have come in the last four weeks which is a plus in the last five weeks the Eagles have given up more volume than all but three teams and one in nine receptions has found the end zone that's the 11th highest rate anyone playing Cook should be hoping for a touchdown and four times in the last five games against this defense a tight end has done just that for more fantasy football news and advice please check out the award-winning content at thehuddle.com
2: Four seven zero zero in Colorado. All
0: right, Kurt. I'm reading the headline on right off the Steelers wire as we speak. The Steelers got fleeced in the Melvin Ingram trade. Right, so here we go. Um, <laughs> according to the NFL's transaction wire that was released on Tuesday, so probably right after the trade deadline, the Steelers they get a six-round pick for Melvin Ingram. And they made this trade with uh, Kansas City, but it's a conditional pick; it's performance based. And basically, what it means is that it could go higher than a six rounder, but it could also go down to a seventh, or even be nothing. They could get no compensation, and I guess just yeah. unload the contract that they gave them. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it wasn't like a huge contract. I think it was like what one year, four yeah. million or something for Ingram, right? Four million, four yeah. Million. So, do you agree with the with the Steelers? You know, gotten return for Melvin Ingram, who was kind of a. You know, definitely not a starter, a rotational kind of depth piece, but you know depth is not a bad thing to have
1: you know I, I wrote that you know I felt like the Steelers chose peace. you know they chose to to kind of calm the waters right. and they they picked that over over value. I'm sure they could have gotten a better value for Melvin Ingram. but I think at that point you know his uh, representation had already reached out to the Steelers and said he wanted to be traded. According to um, NFL Network, you know Ingram was was making it pretty clear that he felt like he was better than Alex Highsmith, and that he didn't want to be a part of this team anymore. And so, once that stuff sort of happens, I think the Steelers have learned dealing with Antonio Brown and dealing with Le'Veon Bell that it's better just to kind of cut ties at that point and keep the chemistry in the locker room and keep the guys that want to be on the team. And that's you know that's why you know, Mike Tomlin in his press conference when when he was asked about the trade, you know, he used one of his favorite lines. He said, We want volunteers, not hostages. There it is. You know, we and that's that that's exactly how, how they approach this. They don't want a guy who doesn't want to be on the team. Now, as I also wrote, I have to wonder when they signed Melvin Ingram, what kind of promises were made? You know, what what did they tell Ingram was going to be his role? Because clearly it wasn't what he thought it was going to be, you know, because he, the first game of the year against the Bills, he was pretty much rotating through with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. They had, they had a pretty even split of, of reps. And then the next game it was a little bit fewer. But the game that Highsmith missed, uh, I think it was against the Bengals, that Ingram got the start, he didn't do anything. And so, it was after that game that you saw his his reps just, just fall off those last two games. And, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me, Steelers fans will remember all the drama surrounding James Harrison, his last year with Pittsburgh. You know, they brought him back, and he claims that there were promises made about playing time, and he wasn't getting on the field, and they end up releasing him, and you know, he was sleeping in meetings and doing all these things to kind of sabotage himself. And, and, and it was, it was the same kind of situation and they just let that fester for, for almost a whole season. And I think the Steelers learned from that. I think they learned that, Hey, if Ingram's not happy with the reps he's getting, but we're being successful with the rotation we have, we got to cut him loose. I mean, we can't, we don't want a guy on the team who's just going to be, who's just going to be cancerous to the, to the chemistry on this team. At the same time, this isn't little league. I mean, you don't ha- There's no requirement to put him on the field if Highsmith's playing better. You know, this isn't everybody gets to play. That's that's just not how the NFL works. And you know, I I know there's some jokes about you know Taco Charlton coming in to yeah, replace that's, him. That's where else going next? You Go know, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Taco's basically a first round bust. Is he? You know, I, I made the comment in one of the pieces I wrote this week that. He's probably not as good as Melvin Ingram, but he's probably just happy to have a job. So I seriously doubt he's going to complain about his playing time at this point, because I think he just about played himself out of the league when he was with Dallas. So I, I don't think that, that Charlton's going to be an issue. I think whatever reps he gets, he's going to be happy to have. And I mean, maybe maybe he will be able to play a little better. I mean, there'd be nothing better for me as somebody who whose favorite team's the Steelers and near the bottom are the Cowboys. If Taco Charlton could turn his career around with Pittsburgh after Dallas passed on T.J. Watt to draft him, I mean that would be that would be pretty sweet for me personally. If he could if he could salvage his career with the Steelers and then the Steelers have him and T.J. Watt, so yeah, I'll, I'll take that one.
0: It'll be interesting to see what happens with K.C. You know, I mean the Chiefs, man. Yeah. I mean, watching them on Monday night against the Giants, I mean, man, they are just a shell of themselves right now. I mean, I'm sure they'll get well, it together. You know, I mean, even the Patriots. You know, back in their heyday, they had runs like this where they would have a, a season where they were just through the first couple months, they just did not look like they had it together, and then it they turn it on right around Thanksgiving. We'll see if yeah. the Chiefs can do that. I wonder what Ingram will bring to that team if he'll be a, a a key piece, and we can kind of watch what this pick will become. I don't know. What do you think? Could it could it work out with the Chiefs? I, do you think he's got a role? Over I there? think their he's going to get reps. Their defense is bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, they need pass rushers. I mean, I think they'll. I, that's why I wasn't too concerned. I I talked to my my writer who wrote that piece up, and I told her. I said, I don't think we have to worry about that that compensation dropping because the Chiefs need need defense. I mean, they need guys who can get on the field and play right now. And so I think Ingram will play. I think I think he'll. I, I and he's he played well for Pittsburgh at the start of the season. I mean, that game against Buffalo, he was really good. He's particularly good um, stopping the run. And I, I you know, that's. That's something that uh, these sort of hybrid three-four outside guys, you know, they're kind of known as pass rushers, but they aren't always known as as really good in run support. So yeah, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I think it'll be fine for him. I think it's going to be good for Kansas City. And Kansas, City, you know, living here in the heart of Cheese Country, um, I get to I get to live that life. <laughs> you know, they're, they're misery right now. Yeah, um, I'm sure. It's, it's I I think they'll be pretty excited to have him. Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty excited to have another another playmaker on defense a little bit so yeah i think i think it'll be fine
0: poor chiefs you have to have patrick mahomes as your quarterback for the next 20 years so i'm sure yeah you'll survive, yeah. You'll, survive. you'll survive all right steelers are on a little bit of a run and uh they're going to be back home against a struggling bears team on monday night football so kurt and i will get into that
2: matchup coming up next this is the typical sportsbook minute let's make this interesting
4: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game with the Tennessee Titans visiting the Los Angeles Rams. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Rams' favorite 7.5. The money lines are Titans plus 280, Rams minus 370 for an outright win. The total is 53.5. I'm on the over 53.5 here because there's more money back in the over, whereas more of the public is back in the under. Also, we have some over-friendly trends for the Titans. They're 8-2 to the over, under, in 10 primetime games since 2018. They're also 19-11 to the over, under on the road since then, and 17-12 and towards the over, under, as an underdog since 2018. Nate, how do you see the Sunday Night Football game playing out? I'm going with the under. The Rams
1: are number five in QBR and lead the league in sacks. There's going to be no Derrick Henry for the second time in four years. Uh, that's where we're at. I think all that's going to cause the under to hit.
2: That was your typical sportsbook minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call one gambler in New Jersey. one 800 in Colorado.
0: All right, Kurt, as we start to kind of get into this game with the Bears, I can't help but look at Chicago's games earlier in the year with Justin Fields, the rookie out there. They go up against the Browns. I think the Browns sacked Fields like nine times or something. It was like out of control. <laughs> And then they had a miserable, miserable game against the Bucks, where Fields was under pressure constantly there. I think they were down 35-3 to three at halftime. It was a nightmare. And you could argue the Steelers' defense is as good, if not better, than both of those teams. And I think you could definitely make that case, and especially with the pass rush. So I'm looking at the Tipico app. The Steelers are 5.5-point favorites at home against the Bears. I think that's a very nice, reasonable number to go back them. Yeah. I don't know how you don't back the Steelers in this matchup. I think you might be better in every phase than the Bears right now. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching, equipment manager, <laughs> like what what yeah. where do you, Maybe not kicker. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with the not, kicker. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Might have Josh Lambeau out there kicking. We'll have to figure out what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh as, in terms of like the football, how do you not back the Steelers at this number? Five and a half. That seems like a that seems reasonable.
1: Yeah. And it started it the opening line was six and a half. I like Pittsburgh giving those points. I, they they typically rough, got, rough rookie quarterbacks up pretty good. They, they have historically played very well on Monday night at home. They've got some momentum. They've won three in a row. Chicago's lost three in a row. Yeah, I don't, I don't foresee this being a, a, a tough game for Pittsburgh, which is probably why they'll do their best to make it one. Let's hope not. Um, it'll be entirely too close. You know, I, I, I think they'll, they'll win by more than a touchdown, but I don't expect a blowout in any way. I, mean, I think Chicago is just in a position right now where I think mean, Justin Fields is great. I mean, I think coming out of college, I thought he was a, a tremendous prospect. But you look at who he's who he's handing the ball to and who he's throwing the ball to, and, you know, the, the, those guys are all kind of learning how to play football too. And uh, he's going to feel like he needs to throw a lot of that on his shoulders. I mean, I, know, I noticed that the last couple of games um, – making plays that are, are awesome for the highlight reel. But as a head coach, you can't like seeing your rookie quarterback going out there putting himself in harm's way like that. And uh, I think I think Pittsburgh's going to have a game plan to really frustrate him. And they're they're going to keep him confused. Coverages are going to confuse him. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've dug into to Chicago some, but I, I don't really see any position units where they have a clear edge over pittsburgh at this point so it's just a matter of of pittsburgh you know coming out fast and 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 playing with energy don't come out flat don't take anybody for granted Um, understand that you've got two home games two very very winnable home games and you could be six and three really quickly and they they can't look past that
0: chicago i mean they had a really tough time with the 49ers last week, Kurt to the, I mean, I was going through the mm-hmm. whole game. I was going through the play by play for the bears wire there. The bears defense gave up eight plays of 20 plus yards in that game, including yeah. one was an 83 yard touch. Uh, well, not a touch. He was down at the half yard line, but an 83 yard catch and run to Debo Samuel on third and 19 from their own, like oh, deep in their geez. own end. So yeah, the bears have all kinds of problems on defense, offense, the coaching. I mean, Matt Nagy's probably the the leading candidate to be the first one canned, I think at the end of the year. So all kinds of stuff going on with the bears and Alan Robinson. He's one of the really good young receivers in the league, but where has Alan Robinson been? He's been nowhere yeah. to be nowhere, nowhere to be found. Uh, Darnell Mooney is like their number one receiver right now. He's the guy catching all the passes. So yeah. you're, right, you're right. I don't know what's going on with the bears and their weapons. And it just feels like a great spot for the Steelers. So yeah, I'm back in the Steelers with confidence in this game, especially at that number. Uh, the total mm-hmm. is super low. Kurt, why? Why is the total 39 and a half on typical? Probably because the Steelers can't help themselves. They just crawl up and down the field on offense. right? Yeah. So we're yeah, winning games 15 to 10. Like this is where we're at. Exactly. 39 and a half is super low. It's so low that you almost want to bet the over because it's so low. I'm not touching this number at 39 and a half. It's just, it's no. just too sketchy.
1: Because you never know. I mean, Pittsburgh could come out and just rack up 21 points in the first quarter and then just go on cruise control. And win twenty-one to seven. I mean, that's easily. Yeah uh, that that's just how that team kind of operates sometimes. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go near that.
0: Yep. No, I'm not. I'm not into the total, but I'm into the spread. So Steelers on a little bit of a run here, Kurt. Is there, You know, I they were my big. Uh, they were probably my most underappreciated team coming into the year. I thought they were kind of a sleeper, a buy low candidate in terms of like future bets and stuff like that. I like the Steelers, and they weren't getting a lot of love in the preseason, and then. Oh man! During the regular season, it was looking rough there for a little while. It was definitely looking mm-hmm. rough. It looked like it might fall off the rails, but it feels like the ship is starting to steady a little bit in Pittsburgh. You think yeah. they got? You think they got a little run in them?
1: I think the offensive lines finally playing. That interior offensive lines looking great the last three games. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can win these next two, and then that's gonna that's gonna tell me a lot. You know, that the, by then they should have their. You know, Anthony McFarland will be back to full health and be a part of the rotation at running back. I think they'll have a, a more established role for Friar Yeah, I think they can – you know, I'm not going to say they're going to run the table or anything like that, but I think they can definitely keep pace for a spot in the playoffs. I think they can come back and probably beat Cincinnati in the rematch, which would be huge for division rankings. They're just going to need to get a little bit of help from the teams that are going to play Baltimore. You know, those games against Baltimore – are just get bigger every week yep. as both teams win. Those those late season matchups with the Ravens just just get bigger and bigger on the schedule.
0: Smash-mouth football, man, it's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. Hey, we got a season. That's all you can ask for, right? We got a season. They're back. Yeah, Steelers are back, right in the mix. Uh, and we'll be back covering it every week for Kurt Popejoy. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.